the information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, all you magical people out there, and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. So today, we are going to be exploring Chapter 12, The Polyjuice Potion. After the double attack on Justin Finch Fletchley and nearly headless Nick, this chapter begins with Harry in Dumbledore's office. While looking around the office, Harry sees the sorting hat. He takes the hat down because he wants to confront it and make sure that he was put into the right house. He puts it on and the hat starts talking to him. The hat tells Harry that it stands behind what it said before, that he would have done well in Slytherin. Harry takes the hat off and tells the hat that it's wrong. Be in your bonnet, Potter. I, 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 was, I was just wondering if you put me in the right house. Yes, you were particularly difficult to place. But I stand by what I said last year. You would have done well in Slytherin. You're wrong. How can this reflect personal will, confidence, and self-worth? Well, I think Harry is under the assumption that being in a Slytherin house automatically means that you are a bad person and that if he is someone who was supposed to be in Slytherin, that it automatically means that he is the heir of Slytherin. I think that he is understandably spooked and probably traumatized and overwhelmed by all the events that are currently going on at Hogwarts by students getting attacked and people accusing him of being the heir of Slytherin, I think is causing him to make a lot of assumptions in a similar way as people are making assumptions toward him. And so I think that we're seeing here him being really, really overwhelmed and really needing some reassurance, which is, I think, why he tried on the hat. I think what he really wanted to hear is that he is a good person and that he's not a killer and that he's not the heir of Slytherin and that he has good heritage, that he's not a bad person. And I think that for that particular purpose, the hat was probably not the best resource because the hat only talks about housing it takes a whole bunch of things into consideration absolutely but the hat is not 
human and therefore the hat is possibly not capable of reassurance. The hat is only able to tell him whether he belongs in that particular house or, or does not. It also has a few other functions, but I think reassurance, which is what I think Harry was looking for, is not one of its functions. As Harry is in Dumbledore's office, he meets another magical creature, Fox the Phoenix. And normally, phoenixes appear very magnificent with beautiful crimson and golden feathers. However, Fox is on a burning day and looks very frail and weathered like a half-plucked turkey. To Harry's horror, Fox bursts into flames and disintegrates right before his eyes. Harry? Professor, so your bird, there was nothing I could do. He, he just caught fire. Oh, and about time too. He's been looking dreadful for days. Pity you had to see him on a burning day. Fox is a phoenix, Harry. They burst into flame when it is time for them to die. And then they are reborn from the ashes. Ah, fascinating creatures, phoenixes. They can carry immensely heavy loads and their, their tears of healing powers. Phoenixes are very magical creatures. They're immortal. They're literally reborn from their own smoldering ashes after they, you know, burn into dust. They can carry extremely heavy weights and they are extremely loyal pets. And also their tears contain powerful healing properties. Do you have any thoughts on this spectacular creature and any possible symbolism or foreshadowing? Again, I, I can't necessarily hypothesize as to J.K. Rowling's intention here, but as a mental health professional, what I get out of it is this amazing representation of our own Phoenix journey in our own lives. So as a trauma therapist, I help my patients understand their trauma as almost like a rebirth where like a Phoenix, we go through this extremely painful experience. And then like a Phoenix rising from the ashes, we come up stronger and better and more powerful sometimes because of what we might have learned out of our experience. It's not that trauma makes us strong. It's the realization, what we stand for and what we're not willing to put up with that I think can allow us to become this kind of fierce phoenix in a way. And I think that very much like Fox, like a phoenix, many of us are sometimes surprised by how much weight we can carry. And I'm not talking about physical weight here. I'm talking about the weight of the world on our shoulders. I'm talking about the emotional burden that so many of us have been carrying and certainly are carrying nowadays with everything going on. And I also think that there's a lot to be said about our tears being healing because tears allow not only us to heal, but I think by us allowing ourselves to cry and heal our internal wounds, we can then be more present for other people and, and therefore be the kind of healer that Fox can be for Harry, for Dumbledore and for anyone in his life. I'm finding this very fascinating. And as you were just discussing that, I couldn't help but reflect on Harry and Harry's journey and his correlation and reflection to Fox. And right now he's down and out, you know, just like we were saying with the hat, he's, you know, looking for some kind of validation and he's going down this one path and then he's going to be reborn again. 
Beautiful and well said. I think the entire series are basically Harry, Ron, and Hermione's journey into their own kind of phoenix moment, as well as the rest of the Order of the Phoenix and Dumbledore's army. I think this is everybody's phoenix journey. As I mentioned earlier, the phoenixes are very loyal creatures, and another loyal creature makes an appearance in Dumbledore's office. Right when Dumbledore starts talking to Harry about the recent events that are going on in the school, Hagrid bursts into the office and pleads and yells and rants to Dumbledore in Harry's defense. Professor Dumbledore, sir. Wait. Listen. Professor Dumbledore, sir. It wasn't Harry. Hagrid. In fact, I'd be prepared to swear in front of the Ministry of Magic. Hagrid! Relax. I do not believe that Harry attacked anyone. Well, of course you don't. And... Oh. Oh, right. Well, I'll then... <clears throat> I'll just wait outside then. What does this type of behavior suggest about Hagrid's relationship with Harry? I don't know about him being a creature, but he's certainly a powerful oh, human. Are you kidding me? He's covered in hair. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a, a really compassionate and fiercely loyal human. I think that Hagrid resembles all the best qualities of Gryffindor and Hufflepuff houses, where he's incredibly compassionate and loyal. He's also very courageous. And the fact that he is willing to stand up to the headmaster, his boss, really, mm -hmm. and plead for Harry's well-being, I think is really powerful. Also, knowing Hagrid's story, knowing what happened to Hagrid after he was expelled and the way his life went, I think he cares about Harry so much. He's known Harry since Harry was a baby. I think he wants to make sure that Harry does not get expelled, that Harry has a chance, an opportunity that Hagrid himself never had. And I think it's really personal for Hagrid to make sure that Harry doesn't get wrongfully expelled the way that Hagrid did. Yeah, I love Hagrid. He's so compassionate and he's this, this huge guy, but inside he's this little teddy bear. He's a huge teddy bear, and I just want to, <laughs> like, I, I want a Hagrid hug. <laughs> I bet that would be an awesome hug. As I mentioned earlier, there was a double attack, and the atmosphere at Hogwarts has changed significantly. The overall feeling of the initial nervousness has turned into full-blown panic. Most were really scared because they couldn't understand what could actually hurt a ghost. I mean, they're dead after all. Can you talk about anxiety and fear in the wake of uncertainty and limited information? Well, I think that's very much like what's going on right now with the pandemic. I think that there's so many different types of information coming in that people don't know what to believe and the news that are sensationalized and that are most frightening are getting people's attention the most so they are likely to believe it because the assumption is that if they eliminate this scariest kind of threat, if they take control of the situation, that they will be able to protect themselves and other people, which sometimes unfortunately can cause erratic and unhealthy and unhelpful behaviors that sometimes can make the situation worse and can create not only mass panic but also this kind of groupthink phenomenon where people's individuality gets lost in the group mentality where people's opinions and actions become more radicalized and far more extreme than they would be on an individual basis so we're seeing this panic spread 
throughout Hogwarts and so it's understandable that tensions are running high but I think we're also seeing some of the negative ramifications of what happens when people are spreading incorrect information without taking some time to verify the facts. It's just one example of how damaging and dangerous rumors can be. Mm-hmm. And just that overall anxiety that you feel that kind of leads you somewhere What I'm thinking in my head is, you know, how you think that your mind's playing tricks on you when you're seeing something after you see a scary movie or something, you know, things can come up from those anxieties and fears, right? Sure, like an illusion causing us to sometimes make false assumptions. Right. Although there are countless risks with this plan that they came up with, the polyjuice potion and everything, although there are these countless risks that Harry, Ron, and Hermione are taking by stealing potion ingredients and risking getting awful side effects, as Hermione herself finds out firsthand, they can also get caught for breaking a ton of school rules. What does it say about the trio that they are engaging in these risky activities in this capacity? I think that there are laws and there are also choices. And I think that laws and rules are general and they're there to provide order and safety. And at the same time, they're not absolute. And I think that sometimes rules don't necessarily apply to every situation and they don't necessarily show the best course of action in every situation. And I think for Harry, Ron, and Hermione, their perception might be that in this situation, this is one of the times when there needs to be an exception in order to make sure that no more kids are attacked at their school. And so they make the choice risking their own, not only school admittance, but even their lives to make sure that they're able to find out who the heir of Slytherin is to make sure that no more kids are being attacked. And I think that this is really an embodiment of their courage. Although they probably should have gotten at least some guidance from Dumbledore or Professor McGonagall, their decision to make matters into their own hands is admirable because of the intention behind it. Their intention is to make sure that they're able to find out who's behind these attacks. They're fairly certain it's Draco. They want to gather the information that they can so that they're able to stop him to make sure that the school is safe. Mm-hmm. So, again, Ron and Harry have to get a piece of Crab and Goyle somehow. And in order to pose as Crab and Goyle, Ron and Harry have to essentially drug them with cupcakes. And then, after they're drugged, they lock them up in a cupboard and take their clothes. Although no physical danger came to Crab and Goyle, other than some of their hair being ripped out, what can be said about drugging people and taking off their clothes while they are unconscious? I'm so glad you brought this up because I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about this event from Crab and Goyle's perspective, right? We're so used to thinking about the series from the hero's perspectives. We don't necessarily think about it from other characters' perspectives. And for most individuals of any age, especially teenage boys, they're about 13 years old, Mm -hmm, I think, mm -hmm. at this point, being drugged 
being locked up in the closet, uh, waking up with their clothes stripped off, their hair missing, can be very traumatizing. This is an example of actually an assault, not necessarily sexual assault, but it's an example of an assault. And something like that happening in the school would be enough for a student to get suspended. Although I understand Harry Ron and Hermione's need to get some of Crab and Goyle's hair, it's the way that they went about it was potentially traumatic and really unfair to Crab and Goyle. And again, we're so used to seeing them as bullies that I think that as a reader, sometimes there can be this dehumanization effect mm-hmm. going on where we see them just as bullies, but we forget that they're also human beings. We forget that they're boys who also deserve to have their privacy protected. They deserve not to have their clothes stripped. They deserve not to be drugged and locked in a closet with each other. And I think that the way that this happened was morally incorrect. And I think that it could be really traumatizing for Crab and Goyle. We don't know how it actually affected them psychologically, but I imagine this was something that they were really affected by. Well, to put a little spin on what you said and put it into another perspective, imagine it being two girls in the same situation. Yeah. And I think that we need to remember that the gender or the physical sex, the sex assigned at birth of the individual who is treated this way shouldn't matter. Any individual who is drugged and stripped against their will with a part of their body being harmed, such as their hair being ripped out, can be really traumatizing for anybody and can be a form of an assault. And so I think that it's important to keep in mind that although Harry, Ron, and Hermione believed that they were acting in the best interests of the school, this particular action of the way that they went about getting the specimens that they needed for the polyjuice potion was really damaging to other students. And they, I think, failed to see these other students as human beings. Wow. This is a really interesting conversation. I mean, it's eye-opening when you really think about it in these terms. So as Ron and Harry transform into Crab and Goyle, they manage to spend some time with Draco Malfoy. And Draco informs them that Ron's father, Arthur Weasley, was fined 50 galleons for using the bewitched car. Draco then makes a comment, Arthur Weasley loves muggles so much he should snap his wand in half and go join them. I don't know that Draco has ever actually interacted with muggles and doesn't talk to muggleborns except to bully them. Where does this animosity come from, do you think? I'm really glad you brought this up because I think you're right. Draco probably has never talk to a muggle. I don't think he knows what muggles are like, except for what he learned from his parents. And I think that this is a really powerful parallel to racism and prejudice, Mm -hmm. because a lot of individuals grow up believing what their parents believe. And if their parents are racist, as Draco's parents are, then they simply mimic and parrot what their parents are saying without having that experience for themselves. So they might believe a particular group of people are bad or less than or dangerous, but they haven't had those same kind of perspectives themselves. Draco 
doesn't actually take time to get to know muggles or even muggle-borns whom he has a readier access to. He just resorts to making fun of them and bullying them without ever taking time to form a human connection to see if his parents were right, to see if maybe underneath it all we're all human and all the same, which is a stark contrast to how Harry is, who takes time to get to know a lot of people and elves like Dobby, you know, humanizing Mm -hmm. them with the exception of maybe a select group of Slytherins that he Mm -hmm. automatically (laughs) discounts. Right. At the end of the chapter, when Ron and Harry return to the bathroom, they find out that Hermione's polyjuice potion contained a cat hair causing her to turn into a half cat or part of a cat or something. The polyjuice potion is not meant for an animal transformation. Do you remember me telling you that the polyjuice potion was only for human transformations? It was cat hair I plucked off Millicent Bulstrobe's robes. Look at my face. (laughs) Look at your tail. So when they're there, they see Moaning Myrtle, who was severely bullied while she was alive, bully Hermione a little bit. Why do you think those who are bullied sometimes become bullies too? And what can be done about something like that? There's an expression that I really like, and this expression is hurt people hurt people. I think that the way that Moaning Myrtle died, the fact that she was bullied for a good portion of her time at Hogwarts, possibly even before Hogwarts, for her glasses and maybe for other aspects, I think caused her irreparable amount of pain. And to our understanding, anyway, to my understanding as a reader, hasn't really had a friend who really cared about her, somebody that maybe talked to her, protected her, stood up for her, or maybe was compassionate toward her. And so it's not surprising, although unfortunate, that she starts to then make fun of Hermione, seeing what Hermione looks like, seeing that Hermione got some feline features. And I think that even in the case of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, all of whom are overall fairly compassionate kids, most of them, if they talk to Moaning Myrtle, only do so because they need something from her, Mm -hmm. like information, for example. I think that in the case of Morning Myrtle, sometimes taking some time to get to know that person or this ghost, (laughs) finding their life story, offering them some compassion, some support, some encouragement can be a big difference because just as much as hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. And so if Moaning Myrtle was to have a friend, somebody who would go visit her in the girl's bathroom, somebody that would support her, somebody that would be a true friend, maybe she would be less of a bully or less of a, you know, someone who teases others based on their appearance. Mm. Well, this book is getting really juicy, like poly juicy. <laughs> I think that was a dad joke, but it was pretty funny it was to me. A total dad joke. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go ahead and end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy and let y'all know that we're thinking about you and we want you to stay safe out there. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or on Instagram at Dr. Janina Scarlet Official. Also, we're having a giveaway. Unfortunately, it's only available in the United States for the time being. 
if you are able to comment on our podcast on this particular episode you will be entered into a drawing for a free kindle version of harry potter therapy so again comment on just about any platform on our podcast on this particular episode of harry potter therapy within the united states and you will be entered into a drawing for a free kindle version of harry potter therapy so go ahead and let us know what you think what you're feeling how you're doing out there Everybody stay safe, stay magical, and thanks for tuning in.